built this church. So anything that's wrong with it, you can blame him after the service today. Everything that's right with it, you can also pat him on the back. The air conditioning's working. feels pretty good. But um, Paul pastored here for many, many years. Uh, as uh, started out as First Pentecostal Church of Knoxville. Something like that. He said, probably. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> Says something about our age, too, doesn't it? Then uh, Christ Chapel, and then Bethesda Christian Fellowship, now Life Church. And Paul is down at Whitestone. I think many of you have been there. He really needs no introduction. But uh, at this point, I'd like to bring you up and speak to us. That work? All right. It's good to be here. Uh, See a lot of folks that uh, I've known from a long time ago. And uh, see folks that I've never seen before. I'm not representative of the church anymore, so if you don't like it, come back next Sunday. And uh, (laughs) Phil will do a better job. Um, I did... Uh, it says in your bulletin that this was done in 1964. Actually, we started building and moved to Knoxville in 63 and built this building beginning about January of 64 and moved in here in the fall. And uh, so it's been a joy to have been here through the years, and uh, I'm already working on the next name. You know, we'll just <laughs> keep changing names. And happy Father's Day. Uh, Some of you are thinking, he has gotten so old, he doesn't know. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, oh my God, I forgot. (laughs) Because you're as old as I am. Um, I know it's not Father's Day. But I've been thinking about Father's Day because next Sunday, uh, down at Whitestone at the Chapel of the Good Shepherd, I will... Uh, speak, and so as I was thinking about that, I thought, since I'm not going to be here next week, I want to talk about Father's Day today, and uh, so you just indulge me, and it's a, it's a sermon for everybody. There's a tremendous difference between Father's Day sermons and Mother's Day sermons. Uh, you've observed that through the years, I'm sure. Mother's Day, we say, We want all the mothers to stand. This is the most wonderful group of women in the world. Uh, They are so favored by God. These are the godly praying women who shaped our lives, blah, 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 blah. And then we give them a rose. And uh, Father's Day, we say, men, you need to recommit to being a spiritual leader in your home. It goes that way. Uh, Mother's Day services end with every woman getting a rose and everybody crying. Father's Day sermons end with an altar call for the men to come and get right with God. It's a tremendous difference there, it seems to me. And I just want to balance it out today. Men, you're wonderful. 
I did think as a, a thing to just start this off and be helpful to you today, um, I would give you a man's thesaurus so that you understand us better. John Gray wrote the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and there's a difference in the way we talk. Uh, this is not his stuff, but um, I've, through the years, Gina and I have been married 72 years. No, 52, I know, Gina. I really thought about doing the Father's Day thing the whole time and not saying that I knew. And see, you know, the response would have been, Larry would have said, you idiot, it's not Father's Day. Eulen would have said, that's a wonderful sermon. He would have just let it go at that point. You know, been supportive to me. 52 years. And um, my, good to have my mother-in-law with us here today. She's been my mother-in-law for 52 years. When I say to Jean, it would take too long to explain. That means... I have no idea how this works, okay? When I say to Gene, sweetheart, take a break. You're working way too hard. I mean, I cannot hear the game when you're vacuuming. <laughs> when I say, that's really interesting, dear, it means, are you still talking? <laughs> I say, y- you wouldn't understand. It's a guy thing. That means there's no rational thought pattern connected to this, and you have no chance of making it logical. (laughs) I occasionally say, is there anything I can do to help you with dinner? What I mean is, why is dinner not on the table? (laughs) When I say, now you know my memory's not as good as it used to be, and you know how much pressure I've been under, it means it's the first time in a long time I forgot your birthday. When I say, I have looked everywhere and I can't find it, it means it did not fall into my outstretched hand. (laughs) And when I say, that looks great on you, it means, please don't try on another outfit. I'm hungry and we're already late. (laughs) And when I say, I don't remember saying that, that means... I've changed my mind. And uh, somebody said recently they had a cassette tape that I did here uh, 40 years ago, and it was just wonderful. And I said, I don't know what it's about, but I've changed my mind since then. You need to, <laughs> need to upgrade that. So we're going to talk to you from Luke, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 13. I'm not going to read those all in order here, but... Uh, This is the passage where Jesus was praying. It starts out in verse 1. And then he was praying in a certain place. And when he stopped, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus said, when you say, say, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And uh, there's many versions of that. We used to say it often enough. We had it memorized. But um, we probably can't all say the same version today. And we'll talk about the the different things it says there. Jesus is praying. His disciples want to learn how to pray. Uh, John taught his disciples to pray. 
And Jesus starts this out by saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hence the Father's Day side of this. Um, in the Old Testament, the concept was not Father. Uh, the Old Testament concept was Yahweh, uh, Almighty God, smoke on the mountain, fire, um, Jehovah. But there was really not a clear concept that God was Father. And when Jesus came, he really introduced that thought for the first time uh, in clarity. He also introduced the thought of the kingdom of God. Uh, the, the Jews were expecting a kingdom, but they were really expecting that, uh, that Jesus would overthrow, the Messiah would overthrow the Roman government and establish a kingdom. And right up till the end, they were arguing about which one of them was going to be greatest in the kingdom who can sit on your right hand? Who can sit on your left? And uh, so Jesus is introducing major concepts with our Father and the kingdom, uh, the power and the glory. Uh, my father um, had a great relationship with me and with this church. Uh, he helped finance it. I ran out of money in the summer of 64. And uh, he was he didn't have a lot of money. He worked in a mill as a machinist and built houses on the side was still living in jackson tennessee they moved up here in 65 and my mother paid for this building several times with a daycare center here fortunately before there was uh, state supervision so we had too many kids but uh, they were well taken care of and uh my, and my dad would come up on the weekends he would drive 300 miles up here and help us work on this they had fired the building superintendent halfway through, and they also said they ran out of money. And so uh, I made the rounds to six different finance companies and my dad. And I'd say, uh, Dad, I need a little more money this week. We're getting close. We were staying in line at Kroger's to buy lunch for people working here one Saturday. And uh, the line was long, and so I used that as an opportunity to say to Dad, Dad, I think if I had another $100, we can get through this week and not stop building. And $100 in 1964 was more than it is today. He reached in his billfold. He, he uh, always carried whatever money he had. He didn't have much in the bank and didn't have a whole lot in his pocket, but he had pulled out a $100 bill. And I made a wonderful speech about how God was providing every week. Just we get down to almost nothing, I didn't know how I was going to build another week. The, fa the company that was building this had gone defunct, and I was in charge, and I was 23 years old and didn't know much. And uh, I stepped through the air conditioning. The reason there's not air conditioning on this side is I stepped through a vent right there and crushed it, and we didn't fix it. Gene stained the uh, ceiling here. I supervised. Um <laughs> But I, I, was, I made a great speech to my dad standing in line at Kroger's about how God just provides every week what we need. I'd get a little money in the mail or uh, whatever, and here I had his $100 bill. And dad didn't tell jokes, but he said funny things sometimes. He turned to me and he said, I'm glad God is providing every week for you, but would you talk to him about using somebody besides me? <laughs> and, uh, got it. Because every time he came, I got a little more money from him. We eventually, in 1976, when he retired from the University of Tennessee, we 
I paid him some of that back with a new truck out here. But uh, my, my dad loved this place and these people, and he maintained the building and did work here and built more buildings and so forth. Uh, some of you have good memories of your fathers, and some of you don't. I, I know that that's uh, a little iffy. I've always said there's two acts of maturity that everybody needs to do. One is you need to assume responsibility for your own actions. And the other is you need to forgive your parents because all of our parents were inadequate and they didn't do everything right, And uh, nor have you. I think God has chosen our Father as his very best explanation to us of who he is. God is God. Uh, before the worlds were created, God didn't say I'm the father because there was nothing to be the father of but uh, with all of the scientific scientific evidence today for a big bang uh, there was a there was a time when there was nothing and then God said let there be light and everything that is came into being just uh, and, and there's no uh, refuting that from a scientific perspective if if I were an atheist I'd have to believe that there was nothing and then nothing caused something. And I don't have enough faith, uh, nor am I that stupid. So if you're an atheist here today, how dumb. Uh, I'm not a real good evangelist. Uh, I find people who don't believe in God, and I'll say, hey, Larry, come over here. We found another idiot that doesn't believe in God. And I haven't been real effective with that, but it's, that's how I feel. So our Father... Uh, and God created uh, what we call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, he created those personifications, those images, to teach us lessons so we could understand it. But God is God. God is one God, and uh, he was there. And if we're going to understand him, he created us high enough to get it. But if we're going to understand it, he uses most often the... Uh, the revelation that he's a father. He also uses things like he's a shepherd. Uh, I really like that because sheep are really dumb. And uh, I tell the Lord regularly, Lord, just one more dumb sheep coming to talk to you. I desperately need a shepherd today. And so, um, so this whole concept of a father that the Lord's introducing here with his prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's our prayer. It was how he taught us to pray. And, uh, and when Jesus finished praying, they understood that there was power there. The reason that Jesus could do things is because he prayed. He prayed early in the morning. He prayed late in the evening. He prayed all night. Uh, he took himself away from the crowds to pray. And so there's three parts to this that I want to do quickly this morning. One is uh, teach us to pray. And we've got the Lord's Prayer. Then he just kept talking, still teaching them to pray. He illustrated with a story about a man that comes at midnight. And then the third part of this is he explained what all this means. And so let me see if I can get to all three of those things. Uh, our Father, somebody has, has uh, said sort of cutely that uh, you can reduce the Lord's Prayer to please, oops, Thank you, and wow. And uh, as you go through it, you can pick out those things as you go. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, recognizing who he is. Uh, and uh, then he said, thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I pray that often. God has invited us to pray for him to provide for us what we need. And I say, Lord, you know the needs today. Food for today and for tomorrow. Forgive us our sins as we forgive uh, others. Uh, And uh, don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. It's interesting. Jesus says God's our father. That's appropriate image for him. Isaiah says God's a mother looking after us uh, and taking care of us. And even Jesus uses the mother hen story that uh, God is like a mother hen who protects uh, her chicks under her wings. That was always a fun thing to do, by the way, when when Mormons came to the door. If you ever want to use this, this is just a little piece of trivia. They think God is a real person, and that's where they start. I had a list of their opening stuff. God is a person we know. And I said, how do we know that? Well, his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. His arm is not shortened that he cannot save. So God has arms and an ear. And uh, if you want to stop that conversation, you can do what I've done on two occasions. And I say, well, I think God's a bird. (laughs) And uh, those young men are a little mystified by that. But I said, I go to the scripture that says uh, we're protected under the feathers of his wing. I said, I believe God's a bird. They'll invariably say, we're going to send some other folks by to talk to you. (laughs) And and if you'll add a a, a couple of jerks along the way, I think God's a bird. (laughs) They they leave quickly. That has nothing to do with the sermon. Just (laughs) Hallowed be your name. That, that's to say, I know about your character, God. I know who you are. Uh, we, we use the name we were talking about a little coming in this morning. Lord, we ask this in your name. That's not a magic mantra that you can say when you pray. But rather it's saying, this prayer, I want to be consistent with the nature and character of God. I want God to answer this prayer because of his nature, because of uh, the qualities and the values that he has. Uh, your kingdom come. Do you ever get to thinking, I just don't want to live in the kingdom of this world anymore? Uh, I tell you, it's an upside-down world out there. I, I don't, we won't talk about politics this morning, but uh, I'm not trusting anybody that's um, in Washington to deliver us from evil. Uh, I just don't think they have the ability. Sometimes I don't think they have the will uh, and that's not a political statement with one party. Uh, everybody gets up there and it gets to, gets to be self-serving, it seems to me. Uh, I want his kingdom to come. Uh, I'd like to live in the kingdom of God where everything is justice and peace and righteousness and there's healing for the nations. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wouldn't that be wonderful that you could just always count on the will of God? We blame God for things. We call them acts of God. But this is a fallen world, and uh, God put Adam in charge, and he gave it to the devil, and we're trying to redeem some parts of it. But this is a fallen world, 
that we need the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's encouraged us to pray that way. We need your will, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us. Uh, Recognize that we're stewards and all we have he gave us. uh, And he said, ask for what we need, and that's inappropriate. Uh, Lead us not into testing is a better word there than temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we need to pray that. I don't, I don't want to be tested. I don't want God to think he needs to test me anymore. And, and we're encouraged to pray that way. Don't lead us into temptation or testing. Uh, keep trouble away. Don't let evil come against me. Especially important here is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's one of the scarier things in Scripture to me is that if you don't forgive other people, you won't be forgiven. If you hold things, that's a whole other sermon, but uh, that parable of the guy that was forgiven, the Amplified years ago said uh, he was forgiven $10 million. And then he goes out and finds a fellow servant who owes him $20, and he uses the exact same words, give me time and I'll pay, he grabs him by the neck and puts he and his family in prison and says, you pay me everything that you owe me, the $20. And he's just been forgiven $10 million. And uh, they go and tell the master that. And he calls him back and says, you wicked servant. And he puts him and his family in jail until they can pay the whole $10 million, which is when hot places freeze over. It's just not, he's not going to be able to pay it. Uh, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You don't forgive, you don't get forgiven. Scary scary statement. Don't hold anything. And then he ends with the wow. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, We're begging him for things. Uh, We're telling him, whoops, we've sinned. Uh, But uh, to say... Uh, at the end of that, you know, this is this is your kingdom. Uh, pretty pretty exciting. Um, the, all of this is leading to, uh, it seems to me, uh, a point. Now Jesus has said all this. This is how you pray, and that's what we're talking about today. Is how you pray. But I don't know whether you get it from that, and neither did Jesus. And so he tells a story. You know the story. I won't read it to you. It says a friend, he just goes right on. He's teaching them how to pray. A friend came at midnight, and uh, the guy didn't have any bread. In Palestine, in a village in that day, they had a, probably a village bakery where everybody went and baked their own bread. They had a a wood-fired oven. and So you didn't necessarily bake bread every day, but it was baked in the village bakery. And you knew who was there, and you knew on a cycle, we're told, who probably had bread. A man gets company at midnight, and he's got nothing to feed him. But he knows his next-door neighbor, and next door is about 10 feet away. It's not like he's got to go somewhere. He, he goes to his next-door neighbor, and he starts knocking on the door. And he said, I need, to, I need to get some bread from you. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And the fellow says, I'm already in bed. Uh, 
which he wouldn't have done. This is an absurd story. Uh, your reputation in that part of the world was based to some extent on hospitality. You had some obligation to take care of other people. And, and this guy just keeps knocking. And it says, now, not because he's a good man necessarily, but if he's going to keep knocking on the door, you might as well get up. And uh, so this neighbor gets up and gets him the bread. What's Jesus trying to teach us there? He's trying to say, it would be stupid for a man not to give you bread, even if he's a bad person. And you can ask your heavenly father for things, and he'll do it. Uh, the, the, the word in there is perseverance. He keeps knocking. In the Greek, and in the Amplified, it's translated that way, shameless perseverance. Uh, you know, not, not saying, well, I, I hate to wake him up, or I'm not going to ask him again, or he's already said no. This, this guy's shameless in his approach. I got company. You got bread. I need to borrow some bread, and I'm knocking till you come down here. That's teaching us how to pray. He's got bread to give. And what Jesus is saying, when you knock on the Father's door, he's got what you need. And it would be as stupid and as unthinking as, and as uncompassionate if he wouldn't give you the things you asked for in some kind of way. I, don't, I know God doesn't answer every prayer with a yes, but he answers prayer. That, God, that you think God wouldn't take care of you, well, even if he's a bad man, he'll get up and take care of you. How did Jesus know that the Father would do that? Because Jesus had been praying, and he had a relationship with the Father, and the Father had given him power. Uh, he'd been calming storms and feeding the hungry and healing the lame and the blind and raising the bread, raising the dead and turning the water into wine. He'd been doing all kind of things, and so when he had knocked on the Father's door, the Father answered the door. And so he could say to you and I, you got a heavenly Father. I'm teaching you to pray. you got a heavenly Father. And when you ask him, he's going to open the door and do what you need done. The Father is on the other side of the door. He ends this with the, the third part of this in case you're not getting it. Ask and you shall receive. The Amplified again will say, ask and keep on asking, and you shall receive. Seek and keep on seeking, and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened unto you. Because Jesus knew the Father to be a merciful, loving, powerful, dependable, accessible relationship that he could go to him, and the Father would do what he asked him to do. And he said, I don't do anything that I don't ask the Father about. So the life lesson for us next Sunday on Father's Day is whatever you had as, a, as an earthly father, uh, there's people that will say, well, I can't relate uh, to him because uh, I had a bad father. Uh, get over that and uh, forgive him and go on. But you got a heavenly father who is touched with the feelings of your infirmities. He cares about you. Uh, the even if you didn't have a good earthly father, you know good fathers. You, maybe you're a good father, uh, a good mother. You know what good parenting would look like. 
And Jesus even says in, in uh, other synoptic gospels, your child's going to ask you for uh, an egg, and you're going to give him a snake. Uh, doesn't make any sense, does it? It makes no more sense than somebody not coming to the door if you're going to knock on it all night so you can get some bread for your neighbor. He's trying to say with the lessons, the life lessons here, if you'll pray, you'll have the same kind of strength and power and relationship with God that as the man Christ Jesus had with his heavenly father. And he's a good father. You've got to believe that God is good and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, when, when I don't understand him, I know God is good. Twenty and a half years ago, we had a funeral for my son here. And uh, I see heads nodding. Some of you were here. and A lot of you were so supportive to me through that very difficult time. I, I didn't question God. Uh, I don't know what kind of life Brian was going to have. But what came out of that for me was an understanding of the love of God that I did not have before. I was driving in to work a couple of weeks later, and uh, I got to Callahan Road coming in from Emory Road. And I said, Lord, I got another son. I need to learn all that you can teach me. Uh, I don't want any more lessons here. What, What are you trying to say with all of this? And I was so overwhelmed with the love of God that I almost couldn't drive. Uh, I would change John 3.16 to say, God so loved the world that he gave even more than himself. He gave his only son. Because, you know, if, if they lined all of you up, you're my friends, and said, we're going to kill them or you, I, I would like to think I'm the kind of guy that would say, take me. Okay. Uh, God bless all y'all. I love you. I'm going to put myself in your place, and I want to die for you. Uh, I love those World War II movies where uh, four buddies are in a foxhole, and the Germans are shelling them, and they're talking about life, and all of a sudden a German hand grenade rolls in, and one of them says, I love you guys, and he throws himself on it and takes the brunt of that to save the other three. I'd like to think I'm that kind of man more likely they would look around and say, Paul's the biggest guy here, throw him on it. Uh, But I'd like to think I would volunteer. But it's an incredible thing. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. That's the best we can do. But you would never sacrifice your child. Uh, You know, it's it's everybody else is going to go. And what God has tried to do is communicate through the years how much he loves us with deliverances from Egypt and prophets and uh, quail when they're hungry and water when they're thirsty and healing when they're sick. And they didn't get it. And finally, he sent his only begotten son with a lesson, a life lesson, that if you're not going to get this, you're not going to get it, to say, I'm a loving God. The lie in Eden is what Satan has perpetuated through the centuries, and he said to Adam and Eve, God's not good. He knows if you eat of that tree, uh, you'll be like him, and he doesn't want that. We see God's prohibitions as restrictive. Uh, Eat of that, and you'll be like God. He knows that. He doesn't want you. And and Satan is still lying. He's saying uh, the, the commandments of God are restrictive. 
God's plan for you doesn't lead to happiness. Uh, look how he, whatever. Uh, but, but God is good, and he's been combating that lie ever since by saying, let me show you how much I love you. And finally, the ultimate action that he could take was to send his begotten son, born of a virgin, uh, and he sent him to save us, to take our place in substitution for us. And he let him die on a cross so you could get it. So he, you could understand once and for all, you say not God's not good, let me show you. God so loved the world that he gave even more than himself. He gave his only son that whoever would just believe in him, this is not complicated, just believe in him, you won't perish. You'll have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He let him suffer and die. He let him be humiliated. Uh, One of the fellows that attended the church here uh, years ago, Dale West, was talking to me after Brian's death. Brian was killed in a hunting accident. He loaded a black powder gun and dropped it. And... uh, Dale was telling me about a friend of his that was, uh, went to sleep in a tree, a tree stand, uh, strapped in up there, and uh, he dropped his black powder gun. When it hit the ground, the percussion cap went off. It came up through the tree stand and uh, hit this fellow in the chin and uh, came out through his cheek. And over a s- several hours, he bled out. Boy, if that had been Brian's story, it would change how I feel. Uh, And Brian went to sleep in tree stands. He said the biggest deer he ever saw woke him up one morning. Uh, So he was capable of that. But if I thought he was up in a tree stand, tied in, drops his gun, it comes up, and he's there for hours hallucinating, calling out for help, nobody to hear him, mom, dad, God, help. Uh, if I thought he suffered for hours, it would change how I feel. When I'd tell people about his death, I'd say, the wound was so massive, he never heard the shot, almost like that was a real good thing, and it is a good thing. Uh, that, was, that was more positive. Jesus let his son hang naked on a cross, and people mocked, and they said, you know, you saved others, save yourself. They gave him vinegar to drink. Uh, they they laughed at him. They they just humiliated him, this stupid crown of thorns. That almighty God didn't just split the heavens and come down and rescue his son, take him back to heaven, and then blast all of us. But he's there for a purpose. Because he loves you and I so much that your heavenly father wants to communicate to you in the best way he can, and that's this father-son image that let me show you how much I love you. I love you so much that I gave my only son for you. If you'll just believe in what he did on Calvary, you'll have eternal life. That's a powerful message. And so happy Father's Day. Whatever's going on on earthly father's side is, is of little concern to me today with this message. What I'm concerned about is you see the value of praying of talking to your Heavenly Father. And when you pray, uh, I tend to pray that prayer almost every night before I go to bed because there's been things I didn't do that day I should have and things I 
did do that I shouldn't have. My, but I don't say our father. I say my father. My father. Who's in heaven. Distinguish that. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it comes soon, Lord. I get stopped there sometimes because I just want him. I, I've lived long enough. I'm tired enough of this world that I'd like him to come soon. Just, just come soon, Lord. I want him to give me daily bread. I want him to forgive me my sins as I forgive others. Sometimes I have to stop there and forgive some other people. Don't lead me into more trouble. Uh, keep me safe. Build a fence around me, Lord. If you have trouble sleeping, just break that down into its individual component parts. And you can pray from that prayer for an hour or two, just thinking about what God's done. But the reason it works is you have a relationship with the Father. He's, he, he's so eager that he said, do you think I wouldn't answer you? This, this guy, I'm teaching you to pray. This guy just keeps knocking on the door. And, and he's going to get up and get him some bread. And then he says his, in his last words to you, ask and keep on asking and you'll receive. Seek and keep on seeking and you'll find. Knock. I like that part. I'm on the other side of the door. Your heavenly Father's there waiting for you to knock. It's a horrible thing, the scripture that says you have not because you ask not. Ask him. He's waiting for you to ask and he's proved through the years that he's dependable, reliable, loving, merciful. I have to start out those prayers sometimes by saying, God, on the basis of your mercy and grace, I'm coming to you tonight to say, can't believe you love me, but I believe you do. You showed that on Calvary's cross. Finish the work you started. Prepare us for heaven and take us to be with you when you can. And in Jesus' name, on his authority and his character, because of what he done, what he's done for me at Calvary, I can ask it. Amen. Let's stand and pray. I'll pray and y'all can sing or whatever. Lord, we come to you today as your children, as dumb sheep, as those who desperately need you. And we ask you to come soon for us. We ask you to have your will on earth done, to forgive us our sins. We took communion this morning, Lord. We want to prepare our hearts for that by saying, wash us and make us white as snow. Don't lead us into more trouble. Deliver us from evil. Supply today and tomorrow what we need. Most of all, let us be so surrounded by your love, Lord, that we know you're for us. That as we come knocking on your door, as you've invited us to, we anticipate that you're eager to open it and supply all of our needs Give us faith to believe in you and in your love and in your love for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.